Amen. All the way from Tennessee. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Thank you, brother. I can turn this up and down as you need. Okay. All right, amen. You may be seated now. Yes, yes, sir. today and uh, thank God for allowing us to make it here safely and uh, it's a blessing to be able to stand before you all and share with you the things that the Lord have laid on my heart to share <laughs> all right if you have your Bibles now <laughs> let's go to the 13th chapter of the book of first Kings Thank God for the worship service and as a blessing to to come to a church where worship is going forth and uh, brothers and sisters singing with all their might. It's a blessing to singing like they know what they're singing about. <laughs> that's a that's a blessing. All right. Is everybody there? The 13th chapter of First Kings. We, we want to say we don't take it lightly that. Uh, that I have this opportunity to stand here before you and to share the word of God. I, uh, this is our first time meeting in person, uh, Pastor Kalini and I and uh, his his lovely wife. And uh, but we've talked on the phone. We have uh, uh, text each other on a regular basis. And so it is always a blessing to be able to come and meet people in person and to, uh, you know, it, it is such a blessing my you know to uh to be able to do that 
and we have somewhat of an idea of what heaven is going to be like well we got millions of brothers and sisters who we may never meet uh, but we're all on one accord and according to god's word and uh, we'll be able to fellowship with one another in that manner so tonight uh is you know it's a I, I have to say this so that our, our hearts can be even further prepared. Um, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I had a vision that I was going to be here. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I shared it with my wife, and the Lord had told me uh, what he wanted me to say when I got here. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, sometimes he'll do that uh, because the message that he gave me, I don't understand it. Uh, you know, like who it may be for, uh, but he, he'll do that to give me confidence to go ahead and say it to begin with. Does everybody understand now? And so uh, it's a blessing to be here. Thank you, God. Sir. Yes, sir. All right. Is that a little better? Is that better? All right. You can, you can turn me up just a little bit. That's good? All right. Thank you. All right. So we... Sometimes the Lord will give me things to say that I don't quite understand uh, who it's for or <laughs> even where it's going, uh, but um, it, it never fails. And God's word never returns to him void. And so we thank God for that. So I, I pray that you'll be praying with me uh, as, we, as we move forward in the things that the Lord have to say tonight. Um, is everybody there at the 13th chapter of 1 Kings now? We're going to start reading at verse 1. It says, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus said the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out now I want to just give a little background here uh, by this time in the nation of uh, Israel uh, the people have been backslidden for a while and uh, they have gone on to worship other gods and to uh, do things that were contrary to the word of God and so God sent a man of God to Jeroboam to tell him and to prophesy that uh, there would be a man born of the household of David who would be, his name would be called Josiah. Now this was sometime uh, around 115, 125 years before Josiah was born. And so God thought enough of this man's ministry, talking about Josiah, that he would speak not only that he would be born, but also would call him by his name, what he would be named when he was born. Now, we wanted to start right there.
to show you and to kind of um, give you the background of this man, Josiah. So if you have your Bibles now, let's go to the 34th chapter of the book of 2 Chronicles. The 34th chapter of the book of 2 Chronicles. And we're going to start reading. We're going to start reading at verse 1. And so we just what we just read in the 13th chapter of the book of 1 Kings was that Josiah would be born. We read according to the word of the Lord what his ministry would be uh, and how he would his job would be to remove the idolatry from the house of God, to remove the idolatry away from uh, the people of God. And so um, we're going to start reading. Is everybody there now? The fourth chapter of the book of Second Chronicles. And we're going to start reading at verse one. It says Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign and he reigned in Jerusalem one and 30 years. Everybody see that? He was eight years old when he began to reign. Now, I, I just want to stop here just for a second to share with you all. You know, a lot of times when we are young, we think that we have to be older before we start doing something for the Lord. But, you know, all God needs is a willing heart to move forward in what he has called us to do. Amen. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And let's think about that. Josiah, you know, and, and I want us to really, really think about this. Eight years old, he had a mother. He had siblings. He had people around him that were older than him that had already set the tone for what he should grow up in. He was born in idolatry. He was born in idolatry. He was born with all kinds of wickedness going on around him. And yet at eight years old, he had the mind to do what God had laid on his heart to do. You know what that meant? Going against what adults would say. Going against what society would say. Every, you know, a lot of times people, you know, it, it's been my uh, experience that people oftentimes in their hearts, they know things are wrong. They know something is wrong, but they don't have the courage to just stand up and say, you know what, this is wrong, and I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't care what society says. I don't care how I was raised, what I was born in. I'm stepping outside of what society says, and I'm going to live for God with my whole heart. Amen. And so here we see a, a, a young man, eight years old, begin to reign. Now listen, that was God's will. Now, that shows us that God doesn't care about age. He cares about obedience. In fact, he told one of the elders of the first church, let no man despise your youth. Talking about Timothy. And so here we see that he is courageous. Where he begins to reign. And listen, he has to go against the standard that the society of that day have set. That wasn't an easy thing. Especially for an eight-year-old. If you think about that. Eight years old. And here he has a mind to look around and see, no, 
we shouldn't be worshiping other gods. No, this shouldn't be going on in the house of God. Does everybody understand now? And so he was eight years old when he began to reign. Now, how many years does the Bible say he reigned in Jerusalem? 31 years. So what does that make him? How old was he when he stopped reigning? 39. So something happened. Something happened. He had a lot of zeal. Now, let me just uh, <laughs> stop right here. <laughs> Tonight, we're, we're talking to you about, and this is the message that, this is the subject, settle down. Settle down. You know, it's been my experience. You can have a lot of zeal for God. A lot of zeal for God, but I want you to hear me very carefully. There is a such thing as having a zeal for God that will eventually kill you down the road. Does everybody understand? How many of you have ever seen in football uh, the players running and running and they running down the field to score a touchdown? And then when they get to the end zone, they can't stop and they run they run into the back wall, and usually they'll have that part padded. And a lot of times the devil may know, I cannot stop you from scoring this touchdown from God for God. And so since I know you got all of this zeal, I'm going to keep you running. I'm going to take away the balance that you're supposed to have in life. Does everybody understand now? And you know that's a, uh, you know that's that's a dangerous thing. We're going to go over his life just a little bit here tonight, and we're going to show you why it is so important that when we are running for God, that we're pacing ourselves. You know the Bible calls King David, which was one of the forefathers of Josiah. The Bible calls him a, a, a man after God's own heart. Does everybody understand why? Because before King David made moves in his ministry, even when people came against him, even when people came against him to war against him, he always prayed and asked the Lord, do you want me to go to war or are you going to take care of it? So when the Bible says a lot of times when we hear that phrase, how many of us heard of that? David's a man after God's own heart. A lot of times when we hear that, we think that God is saying he had a soft spot in my heart. I had a soft spot for him, but that's not what God is saying. What God is saying is he was a man that sought my heart for every situation. He didn't just assume that because I made him a warrior that he was just supposed to go to war every time it presented itself. So there were times when, you know, now you think about it. He's running full speed, running full speed when we think about King David. But there were times when people came against him and he would pray and he would ask God, do you want me to go to war with these people or do you want me to just sit still? And because of that, God could lead him and pace his life out for him. You know why? Because if the devil can't depend on your laziness, he can depend on your zeal. Does everybody understand that? 
He knows you, you have a fire on the inside of you that I can't quench. But one day I'm hoping that you do something to get outside of God's will so that that same fire will burn you. We're going to see this in the word. See, Josiah reigned. He was 39 years old when he died. But that did not have to be the case. Does everybody understand? So we can read through here. We can see. Let's, in fact, let's read verse 2. It says, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and, and the carved images and the molten images. Everybody see that? And so in, and we drop down to verse 8. It says, Now in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, and the son of Azalea and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder to repair the house of the Lord, his God. Everybody see? So we see all the zeal he had. He broke down the groves, the images. He sent in some people to repair the house. You, you think it's, it's a big revival going on. And God is using this young man to bring about this revival. Now you have to know. <laughs> that when God is using somebody in that manner. That the devil is not just sitting back and just letting you just do what you want to do. The devil he plans things out. Now let's think about this. The devil was there. When a man of God prophesied that a man would be born that would do all of these things. He heard that name. Josiah. And so the day came when a man was born named Josiah. From there he began to plot and plan. It's clear to me that God has put it in your heart to do all these things. How can I trip you up? How can I trap you and stop your ministry? Midway. Let's think about that now. All right, so now let's go to chapter 35. Is everybody there? All right, and we're going to start reading at verse 20. It says, after all this, everybody see that? After all this, after all what? After he had got done tearing down all of the stuff that the devil had built and building back up all of the stuff that God had intended to be built, what happened? When Josiah had prepared the temple, Nico, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Carchemish by Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. Who was on Nico the king of? Who now? And so think about this. To an Israelite, when the name Egypt is mentioned, you, you, you ain't got no business here. 
There's nothing good about Egypt. Surely. God's hand can't be in this. You're an Egyptian. God destroyed y'all years ago for our sake. And here you come to make war near me. Does everybody see that? And what does it say? Josiah went out against him. Everybody see that? Let's go ahead and keep reading verse 21. But he sent ambassadors to him saying, what have I to do with thee? Thou king of Judah, I come not against thee this day, but against the house wherewith I have war. For who? God uh, commanded me to make haste. Forbear thee from meddling with God who is with me, that he destroy thee not. Now let's think about that. <laughs> Josiah has a decision to make. Am I going to listen to the king of Egypt preach the gospel to me? Since I was eight years old, it, you know, I was born for this. Somebody prophesied about me over a century ago. You think I'm going to let the king of Egypt come here and preach to me and tell me God is with him? <laughs> Here's the thing about zeal. You have to be careful. That ego has not moved in. Does everybody understand now? Yeah, we, we have to be careful. You, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very thin line between that. Having such a zeal for God. And don't get me wrong. God wants us to have zeal for him. But listen. Zeal, even when you're trying to do the will of God. If it's not God's will. All it is then is pride. You can be moving forward in the things of God and you can just keep moving forward, moving forward. But listen, if God don't give you a command to make a right or a left, don't do it. Somebody say every good idea is not a God idea. And sometimes, you know, we can look across the road and think, well, surely that can't be of God. And we can think I can meddle with that because surely it can't be of God. But listen, who was God with in this instant? I'm going to tell a story, something that happened to me a few years ago, just, just to kind of uh, uh, bring it in today's uh, life. Some years ago, I had a, a good friend of mine. He's. He's uh, gone on to be with the Lord now. But a, a really, really good friend of mine. And uh, we met in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma when I lived there. And we were both from Louisiana. So we, we became really good friends just because we were from the same state. And I noticed that he, was, he would have um, difficult times at different times of his life. And uh, I didn't like that he was having difficult times. And, you know, he would go pick a car and, you know, and the car would break down. And I just figured, well, maybe he just don't know how to pick a good car. And, and eventually the car would get repossessed and all of that. So I thought, me being a Christian, I'm going to step in and I'm going to help out. So that's what I did. 
he was without a car for a while. And I told him, I said, now, Reggie, I said, uh, the next time you go get a car, bring me with you. I'll help you pick out a good car. So we went down to the place, to the car dealership, and uh, the man was trying to sell him a, what we call a bucket, a, a old broke car. I said, no, you don't want that one. Get this one. So he said, I don't know <clears throat> if I can afford that. I said, well, just have faith. <laughs> so he went inside. The man told him, no, your credit, you're not, you, your credit ain't, it's not good enough to get this vehicle. And see, that was part of his problem. You know, you, you know, according to his credit, he would have to get what he could afford. And so I said, Reggie, if you want the car, I'll co-sign for you. So he said, man, I, I want it. So that's what I did. I co-signed for him. The next day, the next day, the Lord told me, you're getting in my way. You're getting in my way. I, how? I'm a Christian. <laughs> What's wrong with me helping my brother get a vehicle? And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm trying to get his attention. He's going through what he's going through because I'm at, see, at that time he wasn't living for the Lord. <laughs> but the Lord told me, I'm trying to get his attention. And unfortunately for him, he got a lot of Christians <laughs> around him to get in my way. So that's the story I wanted to share. Every good idea is not a God idea. And I'm telling you, you can't, don't let the enemy shame you and make you think, oh, see, you're not a Christian because if you were a Christian, you would do this. You would do that. No, we're going to see what God's got to say about it. I'm a Christian, so I'm going to hear what, what God is going to tell me to do about this or that. Because you know how people are sometimes they're out in the world. They think if you ain't bending over backwards for them, you ain't a believer. <laughs> but see, we as believers, we have to follow God and, and let the world call us whatever they want to call us. And so, see, now here in the same instant, we see Josiah here. This is his struggle. There is no way in the world God have commanded the king of a wicked nation to come up against these people. No way. And so because I already know that, I'm going to go to war and make war with King Nico. Now, I want you to understand the conflict that must have been in his mind for him to hear a, a, a wicked king tell him, get out of my way so that God don't destroy you. <laughs> I'm trying to show you how, how that must have confused him no devil you got it wrong when were you ever prophesied about people knew my name a hundred years before I got here I'm trying to show you how ego can move in how zeal, how the devil can turn your zeal into something that will kill you later. How pride can get in. 
See, before, when he was tearing down all the altars of Baal and all of that, he had instruction from God to do that. But see, what happens is the devil hoped that once we start running, it'll be hard to stop. And so what we have to do as believers is pace ourselves. Lord, I'm going to run full speed for you. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants us running full speed for him. But don't turn the corner if the Lord don't tell you to. See, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer. I'll wait. I'll, I ain't got nothing to prove. I'll sit right here and wait. Does everybody understand that? That's, that's, that's the way I feel about it. I, I'm going to wait on God because I know the devil will use every opportunity he can to take my life. And so I'm going to wait on God. I, I'm not going to get ahead of God. Does everybody understand that? And see, and, and this is a story for us to, to really, really learn from and really meditate on. You can have all the calling in the world from God. You can have all the zeal for God. But one of the ways I explain, I describe God is God is like a train. How many of you have ever seen a train going maybe 50, 80 miles per hour? What happens when somebody decides they're going to outrun the train and they're going to cross those tracks? See, that, that train, it can't stop on a dime. It, it, it cannot stop. So whatever is on the track is going to get ran over. And listen, and that's the way I see God's will. I can, I can run with that will and make sure I'm in that will because in that will, my life is preserved. Or I can go against it. I can decide I'm going to beat this train. God is with me. And I can bring about my own death, my own demise. Does everybody understand that? Nico came with a fair warning. Back off. This is God's business. And you are meddling in it. Why do you want God to destroy you? You know, another lesson I learned from that. Everything that's sent to warn me don't have to be a believer. A little child will come up to you. Tap you. Mama, let's, let's not go to the store today. Daddy, don't, don't, don't do this today. We better listen. Don't think because they're small. Don't think because you're talking to someone that's not a believer, someone having been saved as long as you. Don't think that God won't use them to get your attention. The question is, are we paying attention? <laughs> Does everybody understand now? The Bible says that God resists the proud. If we're humble, we'll be listening for the voice of God. And you know, one way I know that I, I don't went too far, when it just ain't working out. It just ain't, every time I, I try to stick my head out and, and do something and it's getting hit, I, I know I, I don't went too far. I'm not saying that the devil ain't going to make it hard for you. But what I'm saying is sometimes God will use situations and circumstances to let you know you've made a wrong turn. And you know, we can keep pushing and pushing until we get our will and get outside of God's will. 
And so me personally, I, I, I let the Holy Spirit push me. You, you push me, Lord. I, listen, I, ain't, I didn't call myself to preach. I'm not even responsible for bringing myself into this world. So you push me, Lord. You tell me where to go, when to go, how fast to go, and where to go. Don't assume that you know all of God's will. You know what I've learned also over the years. Sometimes our own heart's desire will make something God's will. God told me. <laughs> and I mean passionate. We don't have visions and everything else. But you know the Bible tells us about dreams. People having dreams. Because of their own heart's desire. You know you can. And I, that's an, another thing that I practice. I try not to think about stuff too much. Because I don't want to dream about it. And blame it on God. <laughs> I just, Lord, I'm going to just take it easy. <laughs> Let's read verse 22 now. It says, nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself. Everybody see that? He turned himself into something that he wasn't. To do Something that was not God's will. Let me make this clear. God don't need your help bringing about his will. He don't need you to lie on no application. <laughs> Does everybody understand? You don't have to disguise yourself as an unbeliever. To be in God's will. You tell the truth. You do it exactly the way your Bible tells you to do it. If it's God's will, it's going to come to pass. God, done, God already got your life mapped out. He understood and he knew what road he wanted you to take before you got here. So I always say, God don't need my help. All he needs is my cooperation. Does everybody understand now? Look at what it says, verse 22. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself that he might fight with him and hearken not unto the words of Nico from the mouth of who? Isn't that something now? And came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And the archers shot at King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, have me away, for I am sore wounded. Everybody see that? Now, that's going to be the result of every believer that get outside of God's will. You will be wounded. You know, when God sent you to war, he shields you from the hurt of it. When God sends you to war, he shields you from the hurt of it. You don't feel the fiery darts of the enemy. Because you have the shield of faith. But whenever you send yourself to war, that's where you get hurt at. That's where you get burned. Now, God, if you survive it, God got to pull you into this little hospital and doctor your wounds and try to help you because, you know. And now, you know what's sad for a person that God has to doctor in that manner? 
It's sad when we don't recognize our own flesh in the matter. It's sad when we blame everybody else for our own hurt, the own war that we brought upon ourselves. That's one thing I ask people. When they, when they come to me with hurt from something in the past, I always ask, did you pray about it? Did you pray before you made that decision? Did God give you the green light? Because the first thing we have to do, especially as believers, we have to own up to our own junk. We have to say, Lord, I, you didn't tell me to do that. You know, God can't heal you when you have not learned the lesson. When it's everybody else's fault, how can God heal you? Why would he be interested in healing you when you still got the same mind and plan on going out and making the same bad decisions you've made before? <laughs> and so here we see King Josiah was shot. Verse 24 says, his servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot that he had and they brought him to Jerusalem and he died. Everybody see that? And was buried in one of the sepulchers of his fathers and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. This was, I, I can't make you understand enough. Josiah was a great king. He was the second coming of King David. He lived during the, during the ministry of um, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah mentions him and mourns him and says, what a man of God this was. And it was after this man of God fell and died that Jerusalem went into captivity. It was Josiah's son that King Nebuchadnezzar came and killed his sons, in other words, the grandsons of Josiah, and then put out Josiah's son's eyes. You ever think maybe this would not have all happened that way had Josiah lived out his full term? He had started reform in Jerusalem and in all of Israel. Those people's hearts were turning back to God. And by one decision that he made, he stopped what God wanted to do short in all of Israel. And then the next generation come along and they continue on. They build back up the groves that Josiah tore down. They continued the false worship. And then Isaiah has to come along and prophesy and say, now we're going to be judged. Jeremiah has to come and prophesy and says, we're going into captivity. But you ever stop and think? Maybe they would not have gone into captivity had Josiah not made this one wrong decision. You ever stop and think maybe the devil knew? <laughs> Does everybody understand now? You know, here's the thing about the devil. The devil will make people do anything. The devil needs your cooperation as well. That's one reason why he comes so hard against your prayer life and against you reading God's word. He depends on ignorance. Does everybody understand that? Let's think about something. When he came to his own creator, Jesus Christ, and you know, he, he got tired of hearing that it is written. It is written. 
So just like the devil, what did he do? Yeah, and it is also written, if you jump off of this mountain, he won't suffer your foot to dash against the stone. In other words, if you really are God, if you really claim to be the son of God like you think you are, jump off of this mountain and prove it. Because surely your father won't let you hit that, hit that rock down there and die. He was dependent on zeal and ego. But our Lord and Savior knew the word because he was the word. So what did he say? It is also written. It is also written that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So you see how the devil operate there? The devil will even bring you Bible <laughs> of why you should go to war with the King Nico of your life. Go to war. Do it. Do it. You're saved. <laughs> That's why it's important that we know God's word. Because you know what? God's word balances itself out. We ain't got to pick up snakes in here and, and swing them around to prove that we're saved. Does everybody understand that? No, we don't have to tempt God that way. If I'm just out in the woods and get bit by one, I'm going to believe. It, it ain't going to harm me. That don't mean bring them to church and, and sing up here with them and swing them around. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? <laughs> That's one of the reasons why we got so much fanaticism. People take one scripture and, 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 just, and just go haywire with it. You got to know the word. Did, did you see the Lord bringing snakes to the church? <laughs> so the word we're, we're looking for tonight is zeal with temperance I have a zeal for God but I have self control I don't allow it my zeal to outrun my self-control and my relationship with God. When I was in the military, when I was in the Navy, I had a lot of zeal. I had all my life planned out except for preaching for God. That's the one thing I didn't want to do. I had it all planned out. But you know, I thank God that nothing worked out. I, I thank God for that. And, and, and let me just stop right here. My prayer is when we come to the Lord and we see all of the doors that God have closed before we came to him, that we will worship him for that instead of being bitter about it. Amen. I thank God. I was just thinking about this the other day. Sometimes I look at my wife. And I just think about how much of a, a beautiful soul she is. And then I think about all the relationships I had while I was praying to God. God, please, if you love me. <laughs> how many of you know what I'm talking about? Please, Lord, let it work out. My heart, I can't take it. You Just take me on home if this ain't going to work out. I've done all I can do for you. <laughs> 
And you must know God laughs at that. Because he knows if you only knew what I have for you, you'd let all that go. You stop praying to me for that to be your wife, for this one to be your husband. You stop praying for all of that. My perfect will is better for you than your current situation. And you know, we have to step back and we have to repent and say, Lord, forgive me for thinking that I knew better than you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me for myself. <laughs> when I was younger, <laughs> we would put on church plays. You know, when I was in the Baptist church, we'd, we'd have plays. And, and this one play, uh, this one church did when they came to our particular church was called The Devil's Funeral. And they had a big coffin laid out up front. And all of us children, we, you know, we knew the devil was up there in the coffin. And so the preacher's up preaching his funeral, and we're thinking, man, we can't, we can't wait until we go up there and see what the devil, you know, as children, we really believe <laughs> that the devil, you, you got a real coffin in here, it's got to be him. So they told us, you know, when the play is over, y'all going to all march around just like they do on funerals, and y'all going to see what the devil looks like. We all marched around, and you know what was in the coffin? A mirror. <laughs> the gist of the message was this. Your flesh is your biggest enemy. <laughs> you don't have to go look for some spooky devil way out there. <laughs> He's right here. Does everybody understand that? To talk you against. The flesh always wars against the things of the spirit. The flesh does that. And it is one of the hardest things to get people to understand. You know, when you give your life to the Lord, you don't just automatically go on cruise control. You have to continue to deny yourself. You, now you, you have a mind and a heart to serve God, but you still got flesh to crucify. So we, it, it, we have to have that zeal of God, but I tell you, we also have to have temperance. That means self-control. Can, can I stop for a minute and not be concerned about my, about my reputation? Can I not allow what people think about me to keep me away from God's will, perfect will for my life? I tell you, we really have to crucify our flesh. We really have to be in a place where we don't care what nobody say. I'm going to follow God. That word temperance is where we get our word from temperature. Now, God in nature have set temperance up for us. So that we'll know how to live our life. Again, the name of this message is settle down. Now let's think about what the temperature is. Let's think about the seasons, in other words, of this world. You notice that we don't go from summer to winter. You don't wake up one day and it's 100 degrees. And then wake up the next day and it's 10 below. God have set temperance in nature. 
where it just very calmly seasons change so that, listen, our bodies can get acclimated. Our bodies can adjust to what God is doing in nature. Now, we preached this before. Everything that happens in nature is needed. Some of us in here, we don't like rain. You know, there was a time I didn't like it until my wife and I moved in a country where we have a well, a water well. We understand the importance of it. We don't have a pipeline going from the city somewhere to our house. For our well to not run dry, it's got to rain. So we thank God for the rain. My wife and I, we also have a garden. And, and there was a time when, when we didn't like cold. I don't like cold weather. But you know, when it's not cold, all of the bugs that need to be killed for you to plant your garden without, without disturbance, they'll continue to live and they'll eat your plants. So God allows those extreme temperatures, cold temperatures, to give you a head start. Does everybody understand now? And so we as believers, we have to learn to love all of what God is doing. Because somebody somewhere is benefiting from it. You as well, whether you know it or not. You know, when, when we don't have extremely cold temperatures during the winter, when the winter is warmer than normal, the price of food goes up. Because the farmers suffer. Because of the devourers the <laughs> in their gardens. Does everybody see now? And so it, it's not, God don't intend for us to say, man, I wish it wasn't cold. I wish it wasn't this hot. It's a, it's a time and a season for everything. And we ourselves, we have to learn to move with God. We have to have temperance. Does everybody understand that now? So the idea is that we don't go from one extreme to the next. We don't, you know, God intends for us to have zeal. He don't want us to be hot-headed. You know, there was a time when I had a really, really bad temper. Again, that word. Really bad temper. So how do you know when somebody has a bad temper? They go from zero to 100. And I'm telling you, I remember, you know, if you've ever had a bad temper, you know what I'm talking about. I can remember feeling like my heart was about to stop. When I heard something that just shocked me, the whole room was upside down. And somebody got to pay. You know, and, and, and when I gave my life to the Lord, the Lord began to deal with me about that. You know, if you don't stop that. The devil going to come in and take your health. Because you in this life, you're going to have tribulation and you're going to have to learn to deal with it. Every messenger that come to you ain't going to tell you good news. You're going to have to learn to hear stuff you don't want to hear without acting a fool about it. <laughs> so I had to learn to pace myself. Lord, I have to learn to hear things that I don't want to hear. I have to learn to walk through this life knowing that stuff happened that I can't control. 
And I have to learn not to let the devil take my emotions from zero to 100. Because life happens. And this is what happened with King Josiah. He went from zero to 100 when he heard something that he didn't want to hear. What is this wicked king doing near our nation? What is he doing here? And he allowed his zeal for God to cause his death. And so I, this, is what, this is what we want to point out tonight. No matter what calling God has for your life, no matter what you've done in the past for God, you can get out of line with God. And God just have to lift, raise his hands and just let whatever happened, happen to you. Does everybody understand that? Don't allow your zeal for God to turn into ego, to turn into pride, where when you are warned to stop and settle down for a minute, you think God is really, really with you. Don't allow your zeal for God to be the very thing that the devil uses to bring turmoil to you. When I was growing up, everybody was called to build a church. In my city, I seen churches go up. I mean, building from the, from the ground up. And nobody in them. And when I say nobody, I mean nobody. Before the church is finished being built, the church have split and nobody's there to preach. Nobody's there to even go to church. People have went to other churches. They have like what Paul said in the book of Romans, a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Just, just a good idea. But you know, even the devil moves in good ideas. But you know what we have on our side? We can pray and get the mind of God about everything. We can, listen, whatever you're willing to bring to God, he's willing to answer. Does everybody understand now? And my prayer is that we will take that on. Before we make a move, before we do anything, let's pray and ask God, God, is this your perfect will? I don't want to just be out here doing stuff. Listen, there's some things God will let you sweat about. He'll let you sweat. He might not tell you N-O, but after a while, you'll start, I'm hearing a no. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> this, this shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> My season is up. <laughs> yeah, God will let you learn. I'm going to tell this story and then I'll close. I remember a good friend of mine. We were in high school together, and uh, he had had a car. And uh, he would drive that car to school, and, uh, and I'd ride with him home. One day, he had a flat. He broke down about two or three miles away from his house. So we walked home, told his dad what happened, you know, walked his house, told his dad what happened. You know, the car broke, the car got a flat, and we, you know, got this extra wheel here. We're going to take it, and he said, we're going to take that and put it on the vehicle. His daddy said, uh, that will is not made for that car. It's not going to go on there. So we, we knew how to count. Five holes. And we got five holes on that will. It's going to fit. 
Now, that just shows you what some 16-year-olds know. His daddy was a, 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 a full-fledged mechanic. <laughs> but we telling him what's going to fit. So we told him, it don't, it's got five holes on this wheel. And, and the, the wheel we took off had five holes. What are you, five and five. I love the lesson that we learned. His daddy was working on a car then. It, it didn't argue, didn't say nothing, didn't try to talk us out of it. He let us roll that wheel <laughs> two miles in the hot Louisiana sun. We got to the car because we're going to prove him wrong. Five is five. The craziest thing happened. We put the wheel on, put the lug nuts on it. We win. We got in the car to pull off. It would not go anywhere. <laughs> to this day, I don't understand how that worked. <laughs> <laughs> but that day I learned we don't know everything. <laughs> right about that time, we see his daddy pull up with the biggest smile on his face. And that was grace and mercy pulling up with another wheel. <laughs> he waited good until we got there and found out for ourselves. Now, here's what I want to tell you. In this world, you're going to sweat enough for God. You don't have to put yourself into anything extra. Don't let the devil burn you out with your own zeal. You depend on God. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we've had to come before you to worship you, Lord, to hear your word, to fellowship with one another. God, right now, we pray over everyone in this house tonight. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to examine ourselves, examine our hearts, Lord. Help us not to get ahead of you, Lord. Lord, anything that you will speak into us, Lord, make it known. Whatever situation, Lord, that you're trying to get us to avoid, make it known, Lord. We don't want to do no more in our lives than what you've ordained us to do. Thank you, Lord, for ordaining our lives, for dying on the cross for us, for laying out the path of our lives, Lord, that we're supposed to walk. God, right now, we pray for your mercy to keep us on that path. Help us to always seek you, Lord, for direction. Before we make a move, Lord, quicken us with your Holy Spirit. Remind us who we belong to, O oh Lord, knowing that we are not our own, Lord, but you died for us. And Lord, so help us to always look to you for direction, for the way to go. Lord, we pray according to your word that you will order our steps so that we don't become a stumbling block. Order our steps, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.